Welcome to See the World Differently. Come explore and discover the world around you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to 2019. Um, I'm recording this podcast early in January, but you're only going to hear it beginning of February. So I'm still going to say Happy New Year because I haven't spoken to you guys since before the holidays. I trust you all had a lovely festive season. Um, If you're like most people, including myself, it was filled with plenty of socializing and food and family and friends. And uh, I don't know about you, but this time of year, I'm pretty excited to get back on track and get focused for the year ahead. So that's exactly what we're doing today. We have an excellent podcast episode for you today to start the year off right. Captain, I should say ex-captain now, uh, David Clark is an old friend of mine uh, that I had the pleasure of meeting when I was uh, quite early on in the industry. Um, He's incredibly knowledgeable. He's funny. um, He's so down to earth, so friendly, so willing to help other people who are also getting their start. Um, And I'm so glad our schedules finally aligned and we were able to record this. Um, David is now land-based after retiring from yachts a few years ago. Uh, He's based in Brisbane, so it was an early call my end, um, 7 (laughs) a.m. Eastern time and 10 p.m. Brisbane time. So we had a few time zones between us, but it was great to just have a little chat with an old friend. Um, David shares his experience as a captain, some of his favorite destinations, what's involved with crew when you're looking to hire them, um, and sort of facilitate a good working environment on board does become like family. So how to keep everything harmonious. Uh, He has a lot of experience in that. And he also speaks about his new project that he's had for a number of years called Total Super Yacht. Um, He's going to talk about it more in the podcast, but it's a solution for managing day-to-day of the yacht, uh, excellent for fleet, Uh, if you have a number of yachts under your belt, but just sort of trying to streamline the process and make things a lot easier um, on everyone and for everyone, especially from a captain's perspective where a lot of your day is spent putting out fires, as David uh, shares with us. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, Again, if you ever have any comments on the episodes that we do air or maybe you want to suggest Uh, topics that you'd like us to discuss or you have someone that you know should be featured or would like to be featured, please, please uh, do get in touch. You can send it to myself, Rebecca at OceanscapeYachts.com. I respond to all my emails. Info at OceanscapeYachts.com is all over our website. And of course, uh, many of you have us on Instagram, Oceanscape Yachts is our handle, uh, Twitter, Oceanscape Yacht, and we're on Facebook as Oceanscape Yachts as well. So uh, you have lots of ways to get in touch. Uh, There's no excuse that you cannot. (laughs) Um, And I love to hear from you. So thanks so much. Without further ado, please enjoy this episode with David. Thanks, guys. Okay. um, Morning, everyone, for me. Evening for David. I'm uh, here today with David Clark, who's an ex-super yacht captain uh, with many years in the industry. He now... Uh, is creator and owner of Total Super Yacht, which he's going to explain to us a little bit more. But uh, I wanted to say welcome to David, and uh, I'd like to give you a little bit of intro on him. So Dave, if you want, take it away and fill us in a little bit on your background of, of your time here and and what we can hope to talk about today. Well, thanks, Rebecca. appreciate you, know, you giving me the opportunity to speak here. And uh, uh, my background, 27 years at sea, uh, over 600,000 nautical miles, um, all over the globe uh, wow. during that period. Um, I'm retired uh, yacht captain now and have a software company uh, that provides safety management systems and vessel uh, 
operating systems to uh, large and small yachts. So still very much involved in the industry, uh, keep my finger in the, in the industry quite nicely, uh, and uh, but certainly 20 odd years in the industry gave me a, a massive insight from operating vessels uh, from 80 feet to 80 metres uh, as captain. So uh, loved every minute of it as well. Yeah, and kind of created a path that you could, you probably saw gaps as well that why you needed this, why people need this software now and, you know, how, like you say, you can keep your finger sort of in the pie and working with the people that you've known for so long and, and how to make the industry just a little bit better, a little bit safer. Yeah, absolutely. The the bugbear um, through my career early on was uh, a lot of the older captains uh, you know, kept all their uh, cards very close to their chest. They never told any, uh, you had to, had to do anything. You did, they didn't tell you that you needed this or needed that. They kept all their their information very close to their chest, um, which basically uh, provided them with the ability to keep their job. Um, and because that was the, the nature of the uh, the old way to do things, um, uh, it, basically it would come down to you know, we all do the same things on boats. Doesn't matter whether you run. Um, uh, 50 meter or 150 meter. We all do beds and heads. We all maintain engines. We all navigate. We all clean teak, um, and mm-hmm. we all serve guests. So you know, uh, there's no whatever someone does on their boat as opposed to what I do on my boat. It's probably 80 percent all the same. 20 percent difference is the nature of the vessel, the and the management style of the owner and the captain that runs the operation. So, and that can be um, dealt with uh, you know, specifically for each yacht. But 80 percent of what we do, we all do the same thing. Yeah, and so I saw a real opportunity to standardise that um, uh, situation where you have um, software that can really streamline the operation and, and have the owner uh, have proprietary information based on the vessel. So it's not just a paper-based system that can be um, removed from the boat at any time. It's, just, it's a secure system that, uh, that keeps everything in one place and can make the vessel much uh, more operationally efficient uh, and, and provide really for the captains and this is the one thing that uh, I found uh, through my career was early on it was told to me that um, before I ever made a decision as a captain what the, the single thing I should always think about is what would I tell the judge if it goes pear-shaped okay <laughs> because that's where you go with that that's probably a good reference for anything in life, I guess. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, in that situation, you know, um, whether it's uh, going going to sea, um, coming into port, uh, you know, launching tenders, yeah, or uh, yeah, sending guests out on jet skis, you know, there's there's all the nature of risk that goes along with it. Um, and so, in, and as a captain, you're there to mitigate risk for the owner. Uh, that's what he employs you to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, uh, you know, uh, the, the one thing that was very much uh, in the forefront of my mind all the time was uh, if it goes pear-shaped, if something happens because there's things that uh, are very much out of your control, um, if it goes pear-shaped, uh, would I be able to protect myself here or provide the information that I needed to um, to lawyers, police, judges, um, flag state administrators, uh, 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 investigators of uh, incidents, accidents, um, 
uh, when I had to. And the, th the thing that was uh, it's astonishing uh, even today is, is that um, that's not uh, that should be much more in in the minds of uh, individuals uh, when they're making decisions in operating vessels because there's a real uh, there's a real factor that comes into it where uh, risk and incidents and accidents happen in the industry and it's uh, and people should be really more conscious of that and that's one of the things which got me through my industry unscathed or my career unscathed was uh, the, the idea of keeping that uh, what if uh, protecting myself in the event of um, which I was very grateful to have that advice given to me very early on and I carried that through my whole career. Yeah and I wonder um, your opinion on so when you would have started uh, super yacht charters and vacations would have been a little bit of a different ball game. It wasn't as well known in some ways. You you know nowadays we've got more new blood as they call it coming to the industry. You've got um, TV shows like Below Deck. You've got Instagram accounts for all the boats. So people are seeing a lot more about what is involved in it. So we're probably getting a whole new group of people coming in. Do you find it's getting? you know, that scenario where are you protected? Do you think it was easier back then when it was, you know, less well known? Or was it easier then because you weren't as um, exposed in some ways, right? Anytime you're on a boat nowadays, everyone's got their phones out, taking videos, taking photos, you know, you could get snapped in a second doing something. And, and that goes for the crew who are working and also the people who are on board and, you know, acting a fool, I'm sure in some places. So do you feel like it's, more of a risk nowadays or was it more of a risk back when you would have started that that things could go wrong uh, well i think that, that it comes down to volume um, in my mind the, the sheer volume of boats that are now in the industry uh, and the the size of vessels that are in the industry the nature of what we do uh, the more adventurous cruising that we do um, the, the the faster greater toys that we have on board the, the nature of how they're operated or how they're um, uh, they're launched and where they're stowed on board the vessel. Uh, all of these things um, in, uh, uh, there now that weren't there previously, uh, and I think that's a lot of what brings the the, the risk into a higher degree, mm -hmm. uh, and also the volume of crew that's required because you know when, with some of these uh, hundred meter yachts, uh, you know they have. 50, 60, 80, 100 crew on board. And that's you know, 20, 25 years ago, uh, if you were on board uh, a vessel that had 20 crew, well, that was a massive vessel. That yeah. was one of the best in the industry. And now you know, one vessel has five times that amount of crew. So the, the sheer number of new crew that's required to for the positions on board in the industry now is uh, – it just provides the volume of risk that we're seeing in the industry. It's just, it, it's just, it's just numbers. That's all it is. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I think that also the um, the crew aren't necessarily aware of the nature of risk. The, the how dangerous some operations are that that we do on board the vessel and that's uh, something which I think is a is a training issue it's a 
that uh, induction and, and familiarization and uh, awareness that needs to be brought to the forefront in the industry. And uh, it's just, it looks, we, all the vessels look nice and beautiful and pretty and, and you know, architecturally amazing. And so, you know, the, the the crew don't really realise the risk of what they do, uh, whether it's a dumbwaiter. You know, uh, on board, dumbwaiters are fairly simple, but they also very can be very dangerous if you have your hands in the wrong place. Yeah. Uh, things like that, which are just uh, – have some of the new, new crew, the interior crew, um, that don't necessarily stay a long time in the industry just because of the nature of that the interior side of it. Um, there's they, they sometimes don't um, uh, have the experience to pass on that information to the newer crew members because uh, they haven't been there long enough uh, themselves. So there's there's a whole nature, uh, uh, a degree of um, uh, of risk that goes along with just the volume of vessels and size of crew that we have in the industry now. Yeah, and I suppose with that volume of crew you also get the high turnover. Like you're saying, people who are maybe attracted to the, oh, cool, I get to travel for work and this is so exciting. And then they actually get on board and, you know, there's a lot that you need to be managing and in control of. There's a lot of training on board. There's a lot of downtime on board and maybe they don't know that. Um, so like you're saying, it's part of its education. Part of it's just them maybe not understanding what's involved in the job before they take it, I would assume. But um when you were a captain, then how did you, when it came to hiring crew and, you know, selecting a crew for a charter, you must have had a lot of criteria that you'd stack against, or was it a lot of word of mouth, like another captain might refer you to someone, or were they clutching those cards close as well for crew? Well, a little bit of all of that, actually. Um, in the early days, it was, uh, as a younger captain, uh, on 40-metre vessels, they, uh, it was really hit and miss. Um, I, don't, I don't think I did a very good job at all. And uh, okay. it was really the nature of it. <laughs> Divya, when you have modern. Yeah. Well, you know, when you, here's, here's the reality of it, okay? Um, uh, captains grow up in a very practical atmosphere. They're normally um, fishermen, sailors, uh, deckhands, uh, you know, they, they come through the uh, the marine industry in a very practical manner. They're on deck, they're they're um, launching tenders, they're painting, they're they're fixing things. They're very they come through it very very uh, in a in a practical way. When they get their first captain's job, that then all of a sudden they're expected to have administration skills. Right. Never had it before in their life because they've grown up in an industry that requires them to be practical. Now they now they get their first captain's job. It, it's and as a captain, it's all administration. Right. So uh, it, that's the, the the struggle that the industry has had is to keep the the younger captains uh, engaged because they, they the enthusiasm uh, that they have, the the innovation that they they bring to the industry is absolutely fantastic. Um, and you know the, the younger captains are our future, so we need to. Uh, make sure that we provide them with the skills to let them succeed. But the the, the tough part for them is when they first get their ca first captain's job, whether it's a chief officer or a first mate that becomes a captain, um, or even an engineer that becomes a captain. The engineers are very practical guys. And when they become a captain, it's all administration. And now they have to hire crew. They've never hired people before in their life. Yeah. Uh, 
And so, yeah, and I went through the same, um, exactly the same situation and made the, uh, the, the mistakes uh, in my early days. And basically, I, I had to come up with a solution because I, look I looked at myself and went, this is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not employing the, the right person. They did a good job, but I need to get the right mix. That was the, the key on board for the, for the uh, individuals to enjoy the environment on board the vessel. You've got to have the right team. Yeah. Uh, doesn't matter whether it's a sports team or a, a team in the kitchen in uh, in the best restaurant. You know, if you're going to have a great team, you've got to get to have the right mix of people in there. You can't have all jokers. You can't have all um, uh, 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 people that are just analytical. You, you have to have a mix of everyone, and so you've got to get the right mix. Um, so when we were uh, building a 70 meter, uh, that gave us the opportunity to sit down and say, we want to build something, uh, a, what we call it was our employment process. We, we actually created an employment process that, that we structured everything from start to finish, that we, we, what we were looking for in a deckhand. Uh, and so it was, or a stewardess, or a chef, or an engineer, second engineer, an ETO, a first mate, a third in, third stewardess. Every position was documented, so we knew exactly what we were looking for in every one of those positions. We had 28 positions on board the vessel, and we had every one of them documented down to what requirements we want, what they need to have as, as a skill level, certificates, licensing, um, personality, you know, who, what the, what did they ha what they had to have, and then we had a, uh, so then, and then we would send that out to the crew agencies to say, well, this is the kind of person that we want. This is the criteria that you have to provide us. If they don't meet this criteria, don't send them to us. Yeah. So that, that narrowed down the search number one. And the second thing we had, uh, we created was then all the um, questionnaires. So first of all, it was an email questionnaire that we sent out. And basically the system um, uh, at the end of the day found the right candidate for us. So okay, uh, because all the other, all, all the candidates that didn't fit the criteria fell away. They didn't quite meet the, the what we were looking for and they just um, – the, the one the candidate that we were looking for rose to the top and we just p picked them off the pile and they're the, they're exactly the, the crew member we're looking for they've got the right skills they've got the, got the right attitude they have the right certification um, they they're looking to do exactly the same thing that we want to do they, they don't want to sit in the med they want to go cruising worldwide um, so, you know, they don't have any attachments they don't have a wife or children on at home that they that uh, we need to um, uh, deal with, uh, they, they, they will need to stay close to. Um, so all these things really matter when you're getting a right mix of crew members on board. And so uh, having a employment process um, uh, that allows you to choose, get the right candidate from the agencies, um, uh, send them the right questionnaire so they can answer the, uh, they can tell you whether they smoke or, or not, or whether they have tattoos on their neck or not, or they have um uh, they, they want to stay only in the Mediterranean or they want to cruise worldwide. They, they answer the questions that, that count them in or out to begin with. And then there's an uh, interview questionnaire that, uh, that you have. With, so, so it's a, and then you have a telephone, telephone interview questionnaire that you sit down and actually um, uh, the shortlist, have a conversation with, the, uh, with them, uh, with the uh, tele uh, telephone questionnaires. Um, and at the end of the day, the right candidate raises to the top. And so we found that to be extremely helpful and to employ 28 crew members um, over a 10-year period that we ran the, op the, the operation um, uh, was, was the only way to do it 
correctly and efficiently and, and get the right team on board. And we had crew members that stayed, that stayed with us for nine and a half, ten years and, and six and eight. Well, most of the crew members stayed for more than four years with us. Uh, and we, we always uh, had the opportunity to promote from within, which is a very, very good um, morale builder as well because people can see a path through their employment they can see whether this deckhand can go up to the bosun then he can be first mate so you can you there's a path within the system that allows um, uh, development so having a great structure on board like that uh, provides uh, a, a great crew morale uh, and, and a, a process to get the right people on board yeah i i mean i've been in this industry a while i, I had no idea it was that um methodical it's it's great because like you say by the time you actually get to a phone interview you sort of weeded out maybe the chancers who think oh this this could be a cool job and then they go through this questionnaire and okay actually it's probably not a really good fit so you're not going up against all of those barriers to begin with and, and like you say i'm sure you're then catching all these people who see it as a career and you're not gonna have that high turnover yeah absolutely because the question is um provide the opportunity for you to ask them to answer the question. You, you don't give them the answers. You, it's a very open-ended question. So you're looking for the, their answers uh, so, so it becomes a truthful answer. And then you also have a record to say, well, if you told me you smoked uh, or did not smoke uh, in the questionnaire and you come on board and you say, I need to have a smoke break. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, hang on. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> maybe we didn't have a, got the right conversation here. Um, yeah. So, it, there's always a fallback. There's always a documented process that you can you can go back to and say, well, you told me this um, during the interview. Now you're telling me this. So yeah. Would that happen? Happened? Did that happen often? Or it can do. Yeah. A little yeah. Bit. Yeah. I suppose yeah. it's it's like we all kind of human well, nature. Yeah. To, exactly. On a CV too, and if you want a job and. Maybe they were trying to quit. You never know, I suppose. But that, that tattoo doesn't quite show, you know. Only if I wear the only if I wear um, short sleeves, you know. If I wear long sleeves, um, it doesn't show. Well, we always wear short, the uniform is short sleeve. Yeah, so. it's normally going to be in a hot climate, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> All the Alaskan cruises. <laughs> um, and then, you know, we sort of touched on this before um, our call today, but with that crew morale that you were um, talking about. If you're on a long charter, um, let's say it's a week-long charter, and obviously it's very busy, it's a full full guest, so you got 12 people on board, say. How do you, as a captain, or how did you make sure that you still had, you know, a fun crew that was just as fresh on day seven as they were on day one? What kind of goes on behind the scenes? Is that good um, scheduling? Is that... Um, giving people time off when they need it. I know it's very hard if they're sort of working around the clock and, and you, you drew a very good difference between the size of the vessel. So you might actually have more crew. So it, how would you deal with it on a standard yacht? You know, most of the clients we speak to are going to be on the hundred to 130 foot, say, um, 30, 30 to 40 meter plus. Um, so they'll, they'll probably have a more limited crew than the, the 70 meter, um, 200 foot boats that are going to have multiple crew. Yeah. So how would you help the crew on a, a standard charter that size um, to make sure that they, they keep that morale up and, and fight the fatigue and that can come with, especially once you get into the back-to-back -back charters of a, of a busy season? Well, the bottom line is it's got to be fun because uh, it, the, 
yachting is, a, is or can be a very stressful environment. You've got uh, a lot going on, um, very high standards that are needed to be met, um, long hours, um, uh, and in tight living quarters. Um, so the bottom line is that, uh, you know, and everyone loves to have fun. That, that's you've got to, so you've got to create a fun atmosphere on board the vessel, not only just for the guests but for the crew. The crew want to have when they have a downtime, they want to have fun. They want to be able to go into the crew mess and be a real person, be themselves. And so the the ability for, and I used to call it. Um, you, know, you, you have your game face on. So as soon as you leave the crew mess and you go out of the, the guest areas, you've got your game face on because that's you, you have a certain persona, a certain attitude, a certain um, uh, working mentality when you're in front of guests and because and, mm-hmm. you've got to turn it on. But as soon as you walk into the crew mess, well, then you need to turn that off and just be yourself because you can't if – you're, if you're on all the time, it, that takes a massive toll over a week or two weeks of back-to-back charters for the whole season. It's you, you've got to have the ability to uh, to switch off and to, to be uh, with your family. Just like you, when if you're at work and you're in a high-stress situation, you come home to your family in a house. You can relax and be yourself, and just uh, it, and all the stress goes away. And it's the same situation on board the vessel. As soon as you walk into that crew mess, that is your sanctuary and that is your home, and your family live are there, uh, and so the that environment has to be a really good one for you to be able to go in there and know you can laugh, jokes, um, uh, have some have uh, some fun um, times, uh, and uh, and have that stressful environment um, that can be out in the guest areas um, just float away, and and in that allows you to be ready again for when you go out into the guest. Um, uh, areas to be on your game again. You need to have a break from that because if you're on all the time, it, it, it takes a, a massive fatigue uh, on yourself and not only that, but but then you are not fun for the rest of the crew, which then drags them down. And so it's a, it just has a, uh, a knock-on effect and then no one's having fun on board. Then that, that situation then also uh, can be felt by the guests because if you're not enjoying yourself on board, well then you're not really you're not in a position to be able to deliver the great service and, and fun attitude and, and uh, um, great time and experiences to the guests. So it's it's really uh, the, the key to it is creating that sanctuary on board, but also having the team on board that is really family. That that's what crew members love about being crew members is that you have such a tight connection to the people you work with uh, on board yachts. They're, they're like your family. And yeah. uh, people love that about yachting. And people that's why people stay in it so long because yachting is like a family and it's a big family now. Back yeah. in the 90s, <laughs> it, it, you knew everyone that was in the industry because it wasn't that big. But um, now it's uh, it's a massive uh, people and and so extended family <laughs> but people love to see each other around the world and, and whether you're in france or caribbean or alaska or asia you could run into people you haven't seen in years and and they and you could work with them on a, uh, one of the a great boat that you were on previously and um and it's great to catch up with them in, a, in another place all around the world and you have more fun with them. So it, it really is a family environment that you create on board the vessel that, that allows uh, that, that tight niche 
uh, environment to be created, uh, but you've got to also allow the family to have fun. Yeah. I mean, it's like any job, I suppose, right? If you're going to be forced to sit in your office, you know, 24-7 for a week or two weeks, however long at a time, you're going to need somewhere to blow off steam and be yourself because we're all different in front of a camera or in front of colleagues, whatever it might be, or clients. You know, you're putting your, like say, your game face, your best foot forward when it's just you at home. You want to be able to chill, put on Netflix, have sweatpants on, whatever it might be. Um you need that downtime. So I, I think that's absolutely spot on, just giving them that space to also, and as a captain, I'm sure that's a fine balance too, right? Because you're kind of part of the team, but you also have to be a little bit of a boss. So it's also fostering that balance of, okay, yeah, go have fun. This is just you guys blowing off steam, but also we need to be safe and you know we're still on a boat and this is still our job. So fitting into that criteria, I'm sure, is a fine line too as a captain. Yes, it is. The captain's um, job is tough. It's, 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 I wouldn't say it's the toughest job on the vessel, um, uh, but I, uh, I think the chef's job is one of the toughest jobs on the vessel, especially on a 40 meter yacht where you, you're the only chef on board um, and you have 12 guests, uh, 12 crew, you're, you're the only sh- um, uh, chef on board the vessel. I think that's one of the hardest jobs in yeah. the industry as a, as a 40 meter um, chef. Uh, but then the captain itself, um, you know, it's a fine line between being the boss and being a mentor and being a friend. And, and um, you, you have to wear different hats for different times and know when to put them on and know when to take them off and, uh, and uh, ride that line that allows you to uh, have really close friendships that you can um, confide in because you need, to someone, you need someone to talk to on board the vessel. You can't have everything inside you. You need yeah. to have people that you can um, – uh, discuss uh, problems that you have you're having with uh, either other crew members or or um, operations on board the vessel. You know something might not be going smoothly, and so how do we solve these problems? Basically, captains uh, uh, are problem solvers. That's that's all we do. We yeah. just solve problems. You know, whether it's an owner problem, whether it's a guest problem, whether it's a crew problem, whether it's a vessel problem, whether it's a scheduling problem, whether it's a logistical problem, a mailing problem, a, a class problem. You know, it doesn't matter. An engineering problem, a shipyard problem. They're all problems. So the, all we do all day is solve problems. That's that's the bottom line of what a captain's job is. He solves problems and mitigates risk for owners. That's it. Yeah. That sort of takes so the glamour out of it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. That'd bring it real. Yeah. yeah. No, that's and good. We all thought it was glitz and glamour, right? Yeah, yeah. We're just putting out fires all day. <laughs> but it's true, and I mean that gets heavy, right? If you've been stuck on back-to-back charter, you you also need somewhere to blow off that steam or confide in somebody. Like you say, you can't you can't keep that bottled in. So it's important for you to also feel like it's family. Yeah, absolutely. You have to have the right mix, and to get the uh, the first mate or, or um, chief stewardess or chef on board or chief engineer that you have a really um, tight relationship with, that's that is the key to to any successful operation. To have the right people with you, because it's a team environment. You know, the captain can't do everything himself. He needs the right people to be able to do the jobs that he's not able to do or, or doesn't have time to do. Yeah, and so. Um, to, to get those people on board, that is uh, one of the, the biggest uh, successes that a captain can have is to, to get the right people that can do the great job that he can rely on and that takes the, the burden and the 
the workload off of himself. So then he can uh, he can delegate or or, uh, or manage from above. Because yeah. if you if you're too much in it, if you're if you if you're too much in the trees, you don't see the forest. Yeah, yeah, and, and that can be hard, I imagine. Sometimes you miss the, the the details because you can't see them. You're not looking at it from outside the picture. You're too much in the picture. So uh, if you if you just uh, if you don't have the ability to delegate to the right people and, and let them do the jobs that they're there to do and uh, provide them with the, the tools to do it and just sit back and, and watch it unfold, watch it happen. Uh, yeah. And, and, and pick up the things, pick up the slack where you see it um, falling off and that what's, that's what provides the the um, the overall success of the vessel is uh, if you're just too much in uh, the mode of, of doing, then you then you're not in the mode of managing. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's very easy to say on paper, right? But in the moment, it's very it's all happening very quickly as well. So you need to be sure that, like you say, you can delegate some stuff because it's not no one's going to wait for you. It's all happening as life unfolds. Yes, very much. Yeah, and um, just to switch tacks a little bit and get into some of the the fun travel side. Um, you, in your time on board, you were all over the world. Um, as people can tell from your accent, you're obviously Aussie based. Um, do you find that the charter market, um, and maybe it's a clientele thing. And before you were saying also, sometimes it's the size of the vessel. If it's a very big boat, chances are they've chartered before. So you might get a little bit more of an experienced client on board. Do you find though that, you know, people in the med, um, are different, the people who want to charter in the Mediterranean are different than, say, the ones who charter in the Caribbean, that charter in Australia or Indonesia? Or do you find it really just depends on the size of the boat, attracts a different type of person? Or just how you have found um, the people that are attracted to the industry sort of vary by region, if if at all? Um, I'd have to say that the, the biggest difference between charter guests is culture. Uh, um, first of all, secondly, after culture, it would be uh, everyone's looking for the same thing, an experience. Yeah. The, the great experience that the yacht gives them. It does, and it doesn't matter whether it's um, heli skiing or the back deck in Alaska that you can, you're, you're anchoring below the mountain, you're flying up to the top of Alaska and, and um, snowboarding down and then getting down to the bottom and doing it again and then come back on board for lunch and watching the glaciers carve as you're watching lunch or having lunch and watching all that uh, unbelievable glacier carve off as you have lunch. So whether you're doing that or you're in the Galapagos diving with having air sharks, it's a, it's it, it's a just a different experience. Yeah. Um, it's going to appeal to different types of people, but the core of the charter is the experience that you're giving. It's, it is unparalleled that uh, you can't get anywhere else it's you, you don't get that easily anywhere and so um, the the common the common thread that all charterers have is they want an experience whether it's sitting in Saint-Tropez and they go into the sink on sink then um, uh, the, the they're looking for a great experience uh, or they're in Monaco going up to the uh, casino it's a great experience mm -hmm. uh, so 
or in the Caribbean, you're there for New Year's Eve and St. Bart's. It's just a great experience. So the the common thread is that experience side of it. The the difference between the um, the clients that for for yachts is really I think the the culture of of each individual, and, and that's where you see the biggest differences because. Um, uh, individuals that have um, a, a, a come from a Russian culture as opposed to an Asian culture or as opposed to an American culture or a German culture, um, they, they it's it's a different. You treat them very differently, and, and they they have different needs. They have different views. They have different um, uh, whether it's cultural or religious um, um, views or even. Um, uh, how they like to have their service uh, on board. It's, they're, they're all very, very different. And so that's really where we see them, the biggest um, challenge for crew in the past. And in, in today is no different um, because there's more ch- people chartering from, from more uh, diverse cultures today than before. So the cultural side of it is, I think, um, a, a massive uh uh, opportunity industry to really understand so you can get it right and, and because not, we're not all Australians and we can't and, and, uh, we all don't want to be slapped in the back and, and uh, told to uh, how are you mate you're, you're good so there's a it's you have to treat everyone very individually and, and know what individual cultures need and want um, and that's uh, a, a big part of the difference in of charters that we see in, uh, in around the world. Yeah, and I think it's helpful when we do have, you know, there's a lot of different yacht shows around the world. And I remember the first time I would have gone to the Singapore Yacht Show, all the, uh, there was a conference that ran alongside it. And it was all about educating. Um, I was in Europe at the time base, so it was Europeans and North Americans. And it was just you know, the clientele here is not looking for the same charter as your clientele in the Mediterranean, say, you know, they spend money different, they blow off steam differently. So it's not a one size fit all, like you say. So that's probably a good way to look at it as well. And, you know, equally, I'm now based in Canada, the snowplow just went by, (laughs) I'm going to want a very different um, experience than someone who might even be, you know, based in Florida year round who might want to go to Alaska, I'm going to want a beach and somewhere hot because it's, I'm I'm used to the snow now. Um, So keeping those things in mind, like you say, it, it can vary, very different type of charters, depending where you're coming from in your current life situation. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, you know, the Chinese love to gamble, and, and so uh, they would love to have uh, a uh, a charter vessel that has uh, a bunch of slot machines on there and blackjack tables, so they can enjoy you know, their the culture that they like, the gambling culture. Yeah, um, but if you put that same vessel. Uh, uh, in south of France, it probably wouldn't garnish much of a, much interest. So um, you're really looking at a, a different market for different cultures, uh, and and vessels um, should, should be operated accordingly. Yeah, and you um, 
So now you, you are based back on land, like you mentioned, um, and I know you do get to travel uh, still somewhat. Obviously, you're not a, away for weeks at a time, but do you have a favorite spot that you still love to go to or that you could recommend to people? We're always looking for new destinations or even like, you know, this restaurant and this tiny little village or this island is amazing, um, as specific or as broad as you want. Is there one place that if someone said to you, favorite place to go on vacation, you know the answer hands down? Um, without a doubt, I have to say the Galapagos Islands are unparalleled in their, what, what they have to offer uh, on land and under the water. Uh, the, the amount of wildlife that is there that is so touchable, friendly, approachable. Um, you don't, you just don't see that anywhere else in the world. It is a, an experience that I believe everyone in, uh, in the world should have it uh, at least once. It's, it's just, it's, you come away from the Galapagos with such a different view of marine wildlife and birds and, and mammals. Uh, it is truly the single greatest experience that I've ever had in, in, in my cruise and was going to the Galapagos. We went there twice. Uh, we were there for a, a number of months uh, each time and, and it was truly a, a, an incredible experience. Yeah, it sounds, just hearing you talk about it makes me want to put it further up my bucket list because it is one of those places that everyone raves about and it's not even that well, again, I'm, I'm North America, so it's not uh, incredibly hard to get to in some ways. But, um, you know, going to a place like Indonesia, which also has amazing diving, I've done that. And that's a, a bit of a pain to get to, but amazing once you get there. And it would be great to see um, another area just to compare it, like you say. And obviously, I assume you've got your dive certificate. You've probably got all your licenses and everything. So as a diver, it must be an incredible experience. It is truly amazing being a diver in the Galapagos Islands. Whether you're jumping in uh, off the boat and, and you're being circled by a hundred you know, manta rays that are, have a wow. wingspan of eight eight feet, uh, wow. or you're swimming alongside uh, the reef wall and a school of 150 hammerhead sharks swim over the top of you. Wow. Um, you know, it is it's unbelievable. You're playing with. Uh, uh, Baby sea lions basically playing tug of war because you have a, a rope. They've stolen your rope away from your the boat. Okay. The tent. <laughs> so right. You have to try. You have to swim and get it back from them, and they they want to give it back to you. So you're actually playing tug of war with three or four sea lion pups in the water. Oh, cool! Um, it is such a great experience. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's really amazing, and, and for the tortoises and the volcanoes and the bird life um, is it's it's really something else. And it's nice, um, especially nowadays, I just feel, and you'll probably agree, I mean, we're all very connected and think the world is much smaller in some ways. You know, you can see all these pictures and videos of real time people traveling there on Instagram or Facebook, but we're also kind of zoned out from these new experiences. So doing something like that, very hands-on, also makes you feel like you're so small and, you know, 
oh, the world doesn't revolve around me, actually. You know, there's 50 hammerhead sharks swimming around. And uh, I'm just this one part of this whole organism around the world. And it, it must be kind of humbling as well and, and bring you back to reality a little bit, you know, away from screens and just back to the raw life that, that surrounds you that you have access to. Yeah, it's true. And, and the ability for you to get in the water and, and see how majestic these animals are and really get an appreciation for um, how beautiful they are and what how we have the responsibility to help maintain and protect them um, you come away with uh, such a, a, a different outlook um, on the whole um, marine protection uh, of uh, marine life and um, yeah it's it is something which I believe uh, anyone that goes to the Galapagos will never regret going there. It is truly amazing experience. And it's fairly easy for yachts, um, would you say, like for permits and licensing, if you're if you're already based sort of within the area? Um, there's a number, number of vessels there that are local vessels that you can charter. Okay. Um, but there's also, um, you know, as a yacht, you can go there as a, as a, uh, a yacht foreign flag vessel and, and uh, obtain permits um, it's not uh, an uh, inexpensive um, journey to get there there's uh, and it takes a while to get the permits because they're very uh, there's a lot of protection, protection there right yeah the, around that island group um, and they want to maintain make sure that the uh, the vessels coming into the area uh, are, are not overcrowding, um, there's a set schedule that uh, you, or the itinerary that you put down has to work so there's not too many vessels in the same area. They, they have a great uh, uh, management system for the park, for the national park, and they, they manage it very, very well. Um, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a huge credit to the operation there and the, the people that put it together and run it. They, they really do a great job and, uh, and uh, have a real. They, they, they take the responsibility uh, that they have there. They, they're only um, the keepers for a little while. They're only there for a short time in the span of uh, of you know, the history of the world and, and the future. And, and so they uh, uh, they understand that their responsibility is to maintain it, and make sure they pass it on to the next generation in the same way that they uh, they it currently is. They and it, so yeah. they take it very, very um, uh, strictly and, and they do a great job at it. Yeah, which is why, yeah, which is why you can have those uh, experiences, I guess, too, right? That they put in all that yeah. effort and, and you are paying for it in, in some way, like you say. Yes, yeah, yeah. you are. It's not cheap, but, uh, but it's certainly worth every penny. Yeah. And did you... Um, uh, just you, you kind of touched on it a little bit before, but you came once you decided to be uh, more land-based. You and as your time as a captain, you kind of came up with this idea of, of Total Super Yacht, the the company you now own and created. So, can you um, share a little bit on on where that idea came from? Maybe where some gaps lied in, in your time as captain, and and how you think it can help the industry moving forward? Yeah, the 
um, the nature of Total Super Yacht and, and uh, our other products that go along with that, uh, it's really designed to assist the, the captains with uh, operating their vessels uh, in a paperless environment. Yeah. The, the ability or the, the need to, to, to comply with the regulations today is uh, very much uh, clear and present. Uh, and so uh, it's easy to say ISM, MLC and ISBS. They're, they're very small and, and simple acronyms to, to say. But the, the practical application of them on board the vessel is a massive paperwork exercise for the administrators of the vessel. Um, and it, the, the record keeping that goes along with, with those is a task in itself. Um, and so the, the total, what Total Super Yacht does is it puts everything in a paperless environment. It's a fully electronic paperless uh, compliance system, um, not only for um, ISM and ISPS and MLC, um, all those regulations, but also just simply for the operation of the vessel. For example, uh, um, for the owners, uh, if there's crew turnover, um, what, one of the, uh, the things that really uh, annoys owners and, and um, their partners are that uh, the owner's cabin, for example, the set-up procedure, you know, the owners love uh, their vessel to be exactly the same all the time. It's Groundhog Day for them. All they want to do is turn up on board and know the the setup of their cabin, their vessel is exactly the same as it was last time. Because then there's familiar, there's a familiarity that comes along with uh, that comes along with um, joining the vessel uh, of their own vessel, and so uh, they know where the uh, their shoes are. They know where the remote control is for the television. They know that the the hard pillow is on this the port side and the soft pillow is on the starboard side now all these little intricacies that make the vessel special for them is always there and so if if you have crew turnover then a lot of that information doesn't get passed on to the next crew and so the owner or the partner has to then continually tell the next set of crew how a like things done and that gets a bit old after a few times and mm -hmm. so um uh, and that gives the owners um, a, a bit of a bugbear is, uh, uh, you know, the, the crew, no, crew turnover in the industry and, and the ability for that information to be retained on board in a secure um, platform that um, it doesn't necessarily get lost or um, uh, destroyed through w w whatever means. Um, and it's there for the, you know, for, the, for the next crew to then do the, the best job they can for the owner because that's what we're all there to do is, is to, to do the best job for the owner so they have a great experience. So seeing um, uh, that situation um, be uh, hard for the owners to manage, uh, our software also does um, exactly that for the owners. Is it provides a platform where it doesn't matter whether it's steward has been on board a week or a year, they have a full checklist and it can be flexible, 100% to be um, to be edited to uh, on a daily basis uh, to, be, to be exactly the way the owners want their cabin to be set up every time. We can have photographs in it, videos of, of how the cabin's supposed to look, how the bathroom is supposed to look at the end when it's all set up, whether it's a, uh, a, a procedure for um, 
fitting uh, or, or putting together the main salon with all the uh, throw cushions in the right manner because that's how the missus um, loves the uh, the look of the main salon. All these things will be very, very detailed um, because that's what we do. We're into the details. That's what Yacht Crew are all about. That's why we're all OCD and, and yeah. crazy about it because we're into the details because the owners are into the details. And so we have to be into the details. But when the details get lost, um, because there's not a, a, a transition of those details to the next crew, well, then that becomes a problem for everyone. And so Total Super Yacht not only is great for compliance, but it's also fantastic for the day-to-day operations of the vessel that, that are non-safety related. Because let's face it, an owner doesn't buy the vessel to be able to comply with the regulations. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's that, probably not quite top of their list, that, is it? That wasn't the top of the list when they bought a $50 million yacht. Yeah. <laughs> they bought a yacht because they want to have a great experience on board. They want the, they want the service, the seven-star service that comes along with it. They want to have the, the, um, the hospitality that comes along with it. They want to be able to bring their friends on board and show them how wonderful uh, of experience they can share with their friends. All these things are, are why the owner buys the vessel and to be able to have privacy on board the yacht. Um, and it, so the having a system in place that allows the uh, the hotel side of the operation, the service side, the, the laundry, the housekeeping side of it, the, the galley, um, uh, maintained and operated and and. Uh, with all the checklists and procedures um, to, to operate that hotel side is, I think, more critical for the owner than the compliance side. The, the compliance side is is mitigating risk. And I've never had an owner come to me and say, Dave, have you checked the fire extinguishers this month? Never yeah. Happened. Yeah. That's just you your job to do without yeah, being never, told. Yeah. Never happened. But they have asked me, is, is the air conditioning set to the right temperature? And do you have my Cristal champagne in the freezer? Yeah. <laughs> The important things, Dave. Come on. <laughs> oh, so this is—it should be a big time saver and and lifesaver for people if they. It, it's it's all software based, so and like you said before, they can just do it all over the phone or Skype or email, whatever. Like you don't have to actually come anywhere to do anything. It's all implemented remotely, correct? Yeah, absolutely. We can load um, the software onto the vessel server, or it can be a cloud-based system um, uh, remotely. Uh, just this week, we've loaded a, a new fed ship up in Holland, um, right, sitting here in Australia. So, oh, great. Uh, uh, that's the, the ease of uh, the operation, and, um, and and great for fleet. So, when you have a lot of uh, you have multiple vessels in the fleet, and you want them to be all um, consistent, and, and you have crew moving from one vessel to the to the next vessel, uh, whether you have shadow boats or multiple vessels in the fleet, and you want to have a consistent system across all the vessels in the fleet. An owner has multiple vessels, then the then the crew can um, uh, move from one vessel to the next, and know that well, this is the way we operated on the last vessel. This is why I'm going to operate on the the other vessel. So it's there's a consistent see which comes along with the operation that a crew. Uh, can understand that when they move from one to the other. See, it's not it's not hard to be familiarised with what's supposed to happen because it's the same as the the other boat. Yeah. So that all that, that information is it just makes it much easier to operate the vessels and, and to do the job where they're there to do, and that's to to service and provide the uh, the experiences to the owner that they that they are looking for, and not 
have our heads in paperwork and, and compliance and, uh, uh, and regulations. Uh, yeah. That, that's really nuts and bolts of it. Sort of streamlining the whole process and making everything easier, which is nice. We, we're all looking for ways we can ease up on the day-to-day. -day. So if people wanted to find out more information, where can they find you, your website, any other information would be great, and then they can head on over and check you guys out. Yeah, totalsoapyyacht.com is our website. Great. Uh, and okay. you can just email us uh, through the website. Yeah, we have contact details are on there. Um, we can we provide free trials and uh, and uh, demonstrations as they need. Okay, perfect. Well, thanks so much, Dave. I really appreciate the time and the call. I know it's uh, after eleven p.m. there now, so uh, thanks for staying up late with us. I really do appreciate your time. Thanks, Rebecca. Thank you very much. Thanks for tuning in to see the world differently. Until next time, keep daydreaming.